Awesome. Last week we began our series titled Live Generously. We talked about how fleeting and temporary that money is. Today I want to play a little game. Anybody like to play games? Um, It's called eBay Guess. That looks like fun, doesn't it? How many of you guys love eBay? Anybody love eBay? I love going to eBay and finding junk I don't need for prices less than what I should pay for them, right? Anybody here late night, like binge eBay people, like you can't sleep and you're like, let me get on eBay, see what's on there that I don't need, but I'm going to pretend like I do and I'm going to spend some money. See, the truth, the guys are probably the ones who do this a little bit more than the women do. Why? Because women go into stores and do that kind of thing and men are like, let me find a deal online. So we're going to play a game of eBay guess and here are the rules. There we go. Can you guess how much money these unusual items sold for online? A price is going to be displayed, and you've got to guess whether the price that it was sold for was either higher or lower than the price that's displayed. Anybody want to play? All right, here we go. First item, someone's wisdom teeth. $10, higher or lower? All right, I hear lots of hires, and I hear some lowers. What was it? Higher. Somebody paid 20 bucks for somebody's nasty old wisdom teeth. Here's the next item. A piece of French toast partially eaten by Justin Timberlake. $2,000. Higher or lower? All the girls in the back are like, higher. Here we go. What was it? Higher. $3,154. Crazy. Next item. A jar of Brangelina's breath. Can I just say, this is really gross. Who breathes into a jar and then seals it up? That's disgusting. Here we go. Higher or lower? Lower. Lower. $530. Come on. Next item. Used dentures. $34.99. Higher or lower? Higher. Sweatpants autographed by Gary Coleman, $300,000. Higher or lower? $400,000 for some tiny sweatpants. What you talking about, Willis? That's absolutely nothing. Literally, absolutely nothing. Higher or lower? Somebody paid a dollar and three cents for absolutely nothing. Life-size porcelain and gold leaf sculpture of Michael Jackson and Bubbles. $6.6 million. Higher or lower? Lower. They only spent $5.6 million. Britney Spears gum, $3,000. $14,000. A tissue used by Scarlett Johansson, $7,000. Higher or lower? $5,300 is what it sold for. Next item. A handful of Elvis's hair. $10,000. What do you think? Higher or lower? $115,000. And I think this is the last one. A lock of Justin Bieber's hair. $115,000. Higher or lower? Forty thousand six hundred and sixty-eight dollars. All those girls in the back going, I'd pay forty thousand dollars for a lock of Justin Bieber's hair. 
That's because you're crazy. Here's what this proves to me. Is it number one, people got way too much time on their hands and put some crazy stuff on eBay. But something that really pops out to me is that people will find the money to spend on the things that are important to them. People will find the money to spend on the things that are important to them. Have you ever noticed that when we don't want to do something, we make excuses? Think about it. If you don't want to do something, what do you do? You make up something, right? You're like, I got to wash my hair. That, that's what Keith says. Or I got to walk my dog or I got to brush my dog's teeth. You ain't got to do any of that. But when it's something that you want to do, you'll find a way to make it happen. Think about it. If you really want it, you'll make a way. When you want to do something, you'll figure out a way to do it. You ever notice that? Even sometimes when you're shopping on eBay, you see something, you're like, man, I have got to have this. It's $50. Well, I got my bank account is $50 and I still got to eat the rest of the week. People go, I'll just, I'll be super holy and I'm just going to fast the rest of the week. (laughs) Right? So that I can buy the item. We spend money on the things that matter to us. I said it last week and I'll say it again. If I were to look at your check register or your online banking account, within three minutes I could find out what's most important to you because the things that are most important to us, we spend money on. Today we're going to look at Deuteronomy 15, 7 to 11. If you've got your Bibles, I invite you to open it up with me. If not, it'll be on the screen behind me. But today we're talking about being generous. Deuteronomy 15, verse 7 says, But if there are any poor Israelites in your towns when you arrive in the land, the Lord your God has given you. Do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards them. Instead, be generous and lend them whatever they need. Do not be mean-spirited and refuse someone a loan because the year of canceling debts is close at hand. If you refuse to make the loan and the needy person cries out to the Lord, you will be considered guilty of sin. Verse 10, give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. There will always be some in the land who are poor. That is why I'm commanding you to share freely with the poor and with other Israelites in need. We don't like, verse 10, give generously to the poor and not grudgingly. Think about it. Last time you were driving somewhere and you saw somebody on the side of the road or in the center median begging for money. Did you just automatically go, hey, here's some money? For some, yes. But for many, I think this is what happened. Well, if you want money, go get a job, you bum. I bet if you wouldn't spend it all on alcohol and drugs, you'd have some money. Why am I going to give you, if you're hungry, I'll go get you some food. But I ain't going to give you any more money just so you can buy more alcohol and drugs. Now look, I don't want anybody to raise their hand and and say that, that you thought those things. But I think if a lot of us were truthful, while we'd never say it out loud, those things were what we thought. You know what the scripture doesn't say? Give generously if you think they're really in need. When we were youth pastors in Nacogdoches, we, after worship, there was a, a guy who, who showed up on the, on the uh, church campus and, and was hanging out by the vehicles, acting kind of weird. We didn't know what was going on. So myself and one of the other deacons went out and we were looking at him and went up and struck a conversation um, with him and, and found out that, that he was up there hoping to see somebody because he needed a ride to go somewhere. And then he needed a little bit of money to put gas in his car. And me being the cynic, I'm going, really? Then why did you walk here? If you got a car, why did you walk here? Possibly because he's out of gas and needs money for gas. But that's not what I was thinking. In my head, I'm going, here he is. He knows that it's Sunday and he knows that there's lots of Christians in there who believe in being generous. And he knew that if he could show up on a Sunday morning, he'd get a handout. And against 
what I thought was my better judgment, the deacon gave him like 40 bucks to fill up his vehicle. That was back when gas was still expensive. And the guy was very grateful for it. And when we dropped him off, I asked him, I said, Mark, why did you do that? How do you know he actually had that need? How do you know he wasn't just trying to take advantage of you? That's the reason that I don't do it, because I'm worried that somebody's out working the system trying to take advantage of me and wants my hard-earned money. And I'll never forget the words that Mark told me on that Sunday morning. He said, Jason, I don't know if he's going to use the money for what he said he wanted it for. I have no way to control that. But what I do know is that God said, if you see someone in need, to meet the need. He goes, so I would rather err on the side of being obedient to God and be taken advantage of than to be cynical and miss an opportunity to be obedient to God's word. It's not fair. You want to know why it's not fair? Because that day something shifted in me. Because I realized... That while I was being cynical, what I was really saying is, this is my money. I worked for it. How dare you think about getting my money? But the truth of the matter is, it's not really my money. Yeah, sure, I got the job and worked for it. But it was God who gave me the job. Now, I had the qualifications for it, but God opened the right doors. It was God that enabled me to continue to work. And it was at that point that I had a shift when it came to my money and realized that my money is only my money because God allowed me to have that money. And it reminds me of the parable of the, of the, of the, of the tyrant owner who, who gave some talents to, to his servants. And he gave five to one, three to another, and, and one to another. And, and he said, here, have it. And so some multiplied it double fold. He had ten, some had six. And then there was one that took it. And knowing how evil his master was, he took and he hid it in the dirt. And he gave it back to him and said, and this was the words. I knew how evil you were, how you sow or how you reap where you don't sow. And I didn't want, essentially, this is my version. I didn't want you to get mad at me if I lost it. The master responded, if you'd have just put it into a bank, it would have at least drawn interest. Take what he has, give it to the one who has 10. And then he said these words, depart from me, you evil, wicked servant. We've been talking about living a generous life, and we've been talking about the tithe of giving that first 10% to God. Why? Because it's what his word says. Started back in Genesis with Abraham, where he said to pay a tithe to Melchizedek. And so people will tell you, well, tithing is an Old Testament standard. Now that we live in the New Testament, we ain't got to do it anymore because we're no longer under the law. Guess what? That command to give the tithe fell pre-law and pre-covenant. And here's the crazy thing. Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, right? But he came to fulfill it. So can I tell you, I believe that a tithe is still the standard. That's a minimum. In the Old Testament, if we tithe like they did in the Old Testament, did you know that if you missed it, then you had to pay extra money? Anybody here ever forgotten their check at home? If we're in Old Testament days, if you miss it and you didn't pay your tithe, when you came to bring your tithe, you'd have to pay more. Sometimes it was double, up to 20% of what you would normally give. And we complain about 10. But here's what I believe is I believe that the tithe is the starting point. That's the minimum that every believer who believes in Jesus should be giving. Now I'm going to challenge you. And some of you aren't going to like this statement. But if all you do is tithe, you're not generous with your money. It got quiet. You see, generosity starts after 10%. If I ask my wife to make me a hot dog and she makes me a hot dog, is that being generous? No, she just did what I asked. Am I thankful for it? Yes. Now, if my wife makes me two hot dogs instead of just one, now she's being generous. If she puts chili and cheese on it and some onions and some jalapenos and some French's mustard, oh, come on, now she's being generous. It's the same thing when it comes to our money. It's the same thing when it comes to our money. If we just give what God tells us to give as the minimum, we're just being obedient. Notice that in Malachi it says, you're robbing me with your tithes and your offerings. That's above and beyond that 10% tithe. The problem is that many of us 
are still tipping God and not even getting to that 10%. And then once we get to that 10%, it doesn't stop. That's not the end goal. We don't go, hey, look at me. I give 10%. Somebody pat me on the butt. Right? That'd be really awkward if we did that after we put in our tithe check going, right? Or you turn around being like, hey, pat me on the back. I just gave 10%. Like if somebody did that, we'd be like, you are ridiculous. Sit down, shut up. Right? But the truth is that many of us have that own attitude inside our hearts that we'd never let anybody see because we think we're doing something by giving what God commanded to do as a minimum. Let me get back to the notes. Winston Churchill said that we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Anybody make a living? I make a living, but that's not who I am. Your job is not who you are. Here's the truth. You are defined by your generosity. You don't believe me? Anybody have a stingy old uncle or an aunt or a grandparent, right? We had one. My, my, my grandfather was a very hard man and, and loved us like crazy. But man, the dude was a tightwad. Now, grandma, on the other hand, would buy us anything we wanted. I'm talking, you know, Happy Meals with some nuggets and some toys. And she'd even buy us ice cream at the end. You ask grandpa for some ice cream, he'll tell you, you don't need no ice cream. I ain't eating no ice cream. You ain't getting no ice cream. Sit down, hush your mouth. Sorry, grandpa, I just wanted some ice cream. But you know, as he got older, he became more generous. I don't know about you, but I want to be defined by my generosity. Some of you don't want to be defined by your generosity because you don't want people to say in how much of a tightwad you are or how you never give or how you never meet needs. But can I tell you, I want to be known for how generous I am. Churchill said that we make a living by what we give, but we make a life by what we give. What kind of life are you living? Are you living a selfish, self-centered life? Or are you living a generous life that's focusing on the needs of the others? It's interesting to me that the author doesn't allow the Israelites to make excuses to put off compassion. You notice he doesn't say, well, if they really need it, then you can do it. But if they don't, if you judge them by what they look like, how they smell, if you determine they don't need it, then you don't have to give. I'm pretty sure I didn't just read that, did we? It also doesn't matter if the debts were about to be admonished in the near future or done away with. Here's the great thing about the Old Testament times is every, se- every seven years was a year of Jubilee and all the debts were forgiven every seven years. Come on, those of you with, with student loans are going, man, I wish we had a year of Jubilee, right? But what did it say? Even if you're given a loan, don't give a loan. Even if the year of Jubilee is very quick because you know that you ain't going to get your money back. Why? It was more about the heart and less about the money. Have you ever noticed that it's never convenient to do the right thing? It's never convenient to do the right thing. It's way more convenient to do the wrong thing. Think about it. If you're sitting in your car and you're driving down the road and all of a sudden you're coming up to the intersection, what do we normally do? Especially if we ride with our windows down. We see them up there, we go, or if you're in an old car, getting you one of those going on. Right? And you roll the window up, and then what do you do? You turn the music up, and then you look over. You ain't even got anybody in your passenger seat, but you're looking at them. And you're trying not to make eye contact. And, and, and then that guy's standing right outside your window, like this. And you're like, it's way easier to do that than to roll the window down and go, hey, I don't have a lot on me, but here's what I do have. Now, I'm not saying that you got to give everything you got. No, but yes, if God tells you to. I don't always carry cash, but I always got some change in there. Look, I'm not telling you I'm perfect at this. Even though the Bible says don't judge, sometimes I still judge. Anybody else still sin like me? Look, I'm not saying we're perfect, but we're trying to get better, right? And when somebody comes with me with a sob story, I don't care. Just being honest. Like, they start telling me this really sad story. And like, look, there are compassionate people out there, right? And you tell them a sob story, and man, they're going to start crying with you. That's not me. If you want to be cried with, don't come to me because I'm not going to cry with you. That's not true. I will. Sometimes. But listen, a sob story doesn't move me to compassion. 
You know what should move me to compassion? My obedience to God. Too often, though, I believe that our passion outweighs our compassion. Well, God, I can't give to that poor person right now because I'm, I'm giving in the building fund. Or they're taking up a special offering next week. I've got to save this money for that. Can I tell you, I'm glad that you give to the building fund. I'm glad that you give to missions. We need those things. But can I tell you, our passion should never cause us to lose our compassion. What are you passionate about? What would happen if we became compassionate about meeting the needs of those around us? Have you ever driven around Mahia? There's a lot of need in Mahia. There's a lot of people who don't have anything. Yeah, we're mad because we can't find our, our favorite shirt. And there's kids that show up at the school that only have one shirt that wear it all week long. What would happen if we began to be moved by compassion for those in need around us? Not only is it never convenient to do the right thing, no matter how right it is, it's going to cost you something. If you want to be obedient to God, guess what? It's, it's going to cost you. Sometimes it's going to cost you money. Sometimes it's going to cost you time. But when it comes to being obedient to God, I don't mind paying the price. Why? Because the consequences of not far outweigh the inconvenience. The Message Bible says it this way. When you happen on someone who's in trouble or needs help among people with whom you live in the land that God, your God, is giving you. Don't look the other way pretending you don't see him. We just talked about that, didn't we? Don't keep a tight grip on your purse. No. Look at him. Open your purse. Lend whatever as much as he needs. Don't count the cost. Listen to this. Don't listen to the selfish voice saying it's almost the seventh year, the year that all debts are canceled, and turn aside and leave your needy neighbor in the lurch, refusing to help him. He'll call God's attention to you and your blatant sin. Give freely and spontaneously. Don't have a stingy heart. The way you handle matters like this triggers God's blessing in everything you do, all your work and your ventures. There are always going to be poor and needy people among you. So I command you, always be generous. Open the purse in your hands and give to your neighbors in trouble, your poor and your hurting neighbors. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a pretty strict command. With not any gray area. Pretty black and white. I'm a black and white kind of guy. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. And if if it's even a little bit wrong, guess what? It's all the way wrong. And if it's right, it's right. And it doesn't matter what you do. As long as it's right, it's still going to be right. But listen, wrong, no matter how wrong it is, will always be wrong. No matter how you try to justify your wrong, you're still wrong. Sin will always be sin, even if you justify it to make yourself feel better. We do that, don't we? We roll past a person in need going, I've got somewhere to be. I've got an important meeting. I can't be late. Listen, I'm in the military. I understand not being late to places. Of course, I say that on the morning that I was like seven minutes late to worship practice. Chastity's looking at me going, really, Pastor? But can I tell you, if God moves your heart and you see a need and you, you meet it, people go, hey, why did it take you so long? You're 10 minutes late. And I had to stop and help somebody move some. I had to stop and give somebody some money. I had to stop and get somebody some food. But the truth is it's way easier to ignore those things and those people, isn't it? Check out this video that I believe sums it up very well.
ขาจะไม่ได้อะไรเลยไม่ได้รวยขึ้นไม่ได้ออกทีวีไม่มีใครรู้จักไม่ได้มีชื่อเสียงที่มากขึ้นสิ่งที่เขาได้คือได้แค่ความรู้สึกได้เห็นความสุขได้เข้าใจได้ความรักในสิ่งที่เงินซื้อไม่ได้ได้โลกที่สวยงามกว่าเดิมในชีวิตคุณอะไรคือสิ่งที่คุณต้องการมากที่สุดไทยประกันชีวิตเชื่อในความดี First time I saw that video, I cried. Why? Because when we're moved by compassion, it compels us. When was the last time that you were compelled by compassion? When was the last time that you were compelled to meet the needs of others? Truth is that we live in a very selfish society. We do. And even though we love Jesus, oftentimes we are just as selfish as other people. Why? Because it's convenient. You don't have to try to be selfish. But you do have to try to be compassionate. Compassion is not easy because compassion is is tough. It's messy. It's time-consuming. And you know, even beyond that, sometimes the people that you're compassionate for don't have any gratitude at all. But it doesn't matter. Why? Because God said to give generously and to be moved by compassion. And for me, that's enough. I don't need any other motivation. I don't need the thank yous. I don't need any of those things. I just need to be in the center of God's will. Now, look. Am I telling you that I give all the time? No. But I do when I can. Are there times when I simply don't have cash or anything in my vehicle? Yeah. Are there times that I see someone and they need help lifting something, and because I've got a messed up back that I can't help them lift it? Yes. But I do what I can, and I strive to do better at compassion every day. You see, we work with the lost and the hurting every day. We go to school with the lost and the hurting people who just need a friend. See the little old lady with the push cart. You see how big that that push cart was bigger than she was. She couldn't lift it up, and so one person moved to compassion, stepped in and helped her out. And what did they do? It changed the course of who she became. Did you notice there at the end? She gave extra. To the person that was buying stuff, and if you saw the guy's reaction, he was surprised, but he smiled. Why? One compassionate act can impact that person the rest of their life. If you've ever been down and out ever before in your life, you know that one act of compassion can change your trajectory. I'll never forget being homeless eight years ago for like two weeks. Look, I'm not trying to tell you that I've lived a hard life. You know, we we grew up poor, but man, we were blessed, and God took care of us. But as an adult, I found myself with nowhere to stay. Nowhere to put my stuff, kicked out, and all alone. But you see, it was in that troubling time that I realized that I wasn't alone, because I made three phone calls. I called my pastor. I called the other youth pastor that I was working with, and I called my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife. 
And I said, hey, I don't have a clue where I'm going, but all I know is I've got to have my stuff out today. And you know what? That night, about 10 people showed up to, to help us move. I, I didn't even have a bunch of boxes. All I had was like little bitty tiny boxes to put things in. And we probably moved 100 boxes because of all those little bitty things. And, but then my pastor said, Jason, you can store some of your stuff here in my extra garage. I've got stuff in there. Give me to the time that you guys are done packing up and I'll have you a spot cleaned out. The youth pastor said, hey, I don't have an extra room, but I've got a couch. Within a couple of days, I've got cousins that live there who found out that I was sleeping on a couch, gave me a call and, and said, Jason, we've got a spare bedroom. Come, come sleep in a bed. And what could have been probably one of the most alone and lonely times of my life, people had compassion. You know what? I didn't even have the deposit to put down on a new place. If somebody that loved me said, here, pay me back when you can. It was that day that things changed. So I joked and said, if you want somebody to cry with you, don't come to me. That's a lie. See, I never used to cry. But somehow over the last seven, eight years, I find myself moved by people's circumstances. Why? Because one bad decision one accident, one act of God, and I could be just as they are. So the people you see that need help, that's somebody's son or daughter. That's somebody's brother or sister. That's somebody's mom or dad. The question becomes is what's going to move you to compassion? And what's going to move you to a place of generosity in your life? Listen, it goes beyond just your money. It goes to how you live your life. Are you generous with your time? Are you generous with your resources? Are you generous with your talents? Look, some of you are incredibly talented and you're not using that talent for God. Why? Maybe God gave you that talent so that you could bless others. What do you need? A sign from God saying, hey, wake up! It's time to be generous. Consider me your sign. Listen, you don't need a neon sign. Why? It says it in Scripture. Maybe you've never heard this before. And you know what? All you've got to do is repent and say, God, I didn't know. But Lord, help me be more generous. Or maybe you did and you just don't care. Then maybe you just need to pray that God would give you a heart of compassion and to allow you to see people the way that He sees them. Because I truly believe that if we look through the filter of how God sees people, it would have changed the way we see people. Truth matters, if we look at how God views us, it would change the way we see us as well. So if you would stand with me, bow your heads. Today, maybe you've never accepted Christ. You've never made the declaration to follow Him as your Lord and Savior. But today you realize how generous God is, how generous Jesus is. He gave up His heavenly life to come and live earth on earth as a poor man. He gave up the luxuries to have a lack of. He gave up His throne 
to be born in a manger. He gave up his right as God to die on a cross for yours and my sins. And today you'd say, Pastor, I want to follow that Jesus. I want you to just raise your hand where you are. I see your hand. I see your hand. Anyone else? I see over here in the back. Anyone else? God, I come to you and, Lord, you see the men and the women. God, the teenagers who just raised their hand. God, that have said today they're committing to you. God, today they want to follow the Jesus of Scripture, the, the Jesus that gave, gave up all the amenities in heaven to come and live this on this earth as a man. God, so that we might have a relationship with you. God, we pray that even now, God, that as their relationship with you starts, God, that they would be steadfast in their love of you. God, that when the enemy comes and tries to discourage them, God, that you would give them strength to stand when no one else is. God, may they find peace and rest in you, in Jesus' name. Today, maybe you'd say, Pastor, I need to be more compassionate. I'm selfish, and, and man, I know it needs to change. Or, or maybe it's that you just need God to soften your heart, because you tend to be a skeptic when it comes to those in need. But today, you'd just say, God, I want to be compassionate like you were for me. That's you. I just want you to raise your hand. There's hands all over the place. Anyone else? God, we come to you with our hands lifted to you. God, repenting of our selfishness. God, I'm wanting to be more compassionate. God, more compassionate in every area of our life, Lord, that when we see people in need, God, that we'd be willing to meet the need. God, that when we see people that are lost or hurting, God, that it would move us and compel us to action. God, not so that we can feel better about ourselves, Lord, but so that we can be obedient to your scripture. God, may we learn to be generous in all things at all times. God, that we as a church would become the most generous church in this community. God, that because of that generosity, God, a community will be forever changed for the kingdom. Lord, give us the ability to meet needs. God, give us the blessings to be able to bless others. God, help us be more like you this week than we were last. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name.